Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Tim Muma, and you're listening to Technically Speaking here on localjobnetwork.com radio. On Technically Speaking, we discuss topics related to technology and social media within business and employment. Now, a popular subject for many has been the push to learn coding and learn it rather quickly, but many wonder if that's a good idea in the long term. Well, our guest today is the author of The Developer's Code, What Real Programmers Do. His name is Kawei Chung, and he's the co-founder of Done Done, and he brings a wealth of experience to the table as a programmer. Kawei, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Tim. Well, I guess the first question, just to give people an idea of where you're coming from and, and a little bit about yourself and the organization, tell us about Done Done and really why you founded this company to begin with. Sure. So um, before Done Done, we actually have a company called We Are Mammoth, and we do a lot of consulting work uh, for clients. And one of the, the pieces of software that we often need when we're developing projects for other clients is an issue tracker. Mm-hmm. And we found that the issue trackers that we were using just didn't kind of fulfill the need. They were a little too bloated or they didn't do enough. So we ended up, as we've done with a, a couple things here, just building our own and then eventually realizing there was a need for it for other companies as well. Sure. Now, what it is about learning to code, and, and I don't know, like I said, it seems like there's been this push lately. What's made it so popular that even people who you know, really aren't on that technical side of developing, they've been interested and they really want to dive into it? What do you see? Well, I think it's three main things. The first thing is that, especially in the last five or 10 years, there's been this increased movement in terms of uh, programming languages and frameworks that are... Um, built for web development specifically. So Mm -hmm. they kind of get rid of all the tedious stuff you'd normally find. Um, You'd have to build up originally. So a lot of that's been automated already. Okay. So I think the the step in is a lot easier these days. Sure. Um, Secondly, I think in terms of the cloud, that's become a Mm -hmm. big thing. So if you want to get your app actually hosted somewhere, you don't need sort of a big, robust piece of software that's going to cost you thousands of dollars initially. You can kind of scale as you go. So I think, again, from a financial standpoint, it's much easier to get into. Right. Finally, I think there's been a movement just towards the process of development has been a lot more iterative. So you don't have to kind of build software for years and then release it. You can release builds, and a lot of big companies do. They release new features um, on a daily basis. So I think all those three factors kind of have helped make programming a lot more approachable to everybody else. So for yourself, I mean, someone who obviously has a lot of experience, What's your overall take on this trend? Do you think this is something that's a benefit to your industry? Is it something that you're unsure about? What's sort of your overall thought? It's a really good question. I think it's still very early to say, okay. you know, coding schools that I can think of right here in town, there's the Starter League, Dev Bootcamp. They've only been around for a couple of years, but I think there's definitely a good side to it, which is that a lot of people are just becoming more interested in, in programming, which is ultimately just learning how to problem solve. So I think just hmm. from an intellectual point of view, it's a, it's a really good thing. On the other side there, you know, what, what has me a little apprehensive is there are definitely a whole slew of other businesses out there that kind of make these claims of you can learn to program in a month or, you know, in a few weeks by looking at these videos. Right. Um, there's one side that's saw that said, you know, you can get a $16,000 education for 99 bucks. So <laughs> there's always that sort of exploitative side to it. So uh-huh. I'm you know, a little hesitant to say that you can go that far right away. So what you've seen, I know you said it's, it's early sort of in this process. Are you getting the feeling that these training schools can work out potentially? Do you see a lot of flaws maybe compared to someone like yourself who has that, you know, that full education and going through everything completely as opposed to this quick hitting sort of education? What, where do you see the comparison as of right now? You know, I think it really depends on the, the person going into these schools. Um, for instance, 
with Starter League or Dev Bootcamp, they offer kind of like a three-month really comprehensive course, but they also set the expectation that coming out of it, you're going to be able to land a position as a junior developer, you mm-hmm. know, being an apprentice towards people that have been doing it for a while. And I think that's a good sort of goal to set for yourself because to be able to even do that in three months is, is quite a feat. So I, I really think it depends on how you going into it are approaching it. Well, I'm curious then, do you work specifically with some of these schools? I mean, obviously you talk about um, with Dundun helping out with some of these issues and and maybe being a resource for individuals that have come out of there. But do you work specifically with any of these schools? So I, I don't actually specifically teach uh, for these schools, but I have mentored and, and talked to several students that are currently in these programs. Okay. I was just curious what sort of the, the give and take with that would be. Now, I know you had talked about in an, uh, an article you had written about, you know, you're 15 years into your programming career and you still get stumped on a daily basis. For yourself, then, what do you, what would you point to as being the reasons that it is such a challenge in this industry and, and why some people have concerns of these training schools versus that full education and then, of course, experience? What do you see are the, the biggest challenges for individuals? Well, I, I think... The, the real challenge is when you have a piece of software, you know, web-based, and it's out there. In the beginning, it's, it's not a big deal. You have a few users using it. They can kind of pound it, and you might get a few bugs. But, you know, Dundun is an example. It's a piece of software that's been out for five years now. It's mm-hmm. been used by, um, you know, 20,000 uh, different people are, are signed up for, our, our, for Dundun. And what happens is you start to develop all these scenarios that you wouldn't have imagined initially just because there's so many people using the app and there's data that you might not have thought would be a a use case originally. So what happens is you end up getting really millions and millions of different permutations of how your app is actually being used. And it's impossible in the beginning to have sort of foreseen all those edge cases. And that's really the challenge. You you encounter bugs and, right. and and just interesting things that you wouldn't have thought about when you first started. And then, you know, that led to another question that I had had of, and maybe it's unfair because as you mentioned, it's going to be based on the individual, but do you think that if you've been thrown into some of these situations, having gone to just one of these you know, intensive training schools, and maybe you weren't even, you know, at, on the technical side of, of developing as some of these people are when they're looking to code, do you think that you would have had the know-how or the the knowledge, the experience to take care of some of these issues that would come up? I, I think it would have been very difficult. Yeah. Quite honestly, even even today, you know, there there are bugs and issues that stump me, that have me sleep, uh, losing <laughs> sleep at night, things like that. That kind of just comes with the territory, I think. So I think a lot of the the real value of the experience you get isn't so much the the intellectual know-how, but just kind of being able to to mentally and emotionally handle these problems because it can get stressful at times. Sure. Now, I was also going to ask about the some of the challenges that these individuals might face if they attended one of these, again, the, the coding school, if you will. Uh, a lot of times we read articles and we talk to people who are looking to learn code simply to add it to their resume and to have it as a, a skill because you see the smaller companies hoping that people can you know, basically touch on everything within an organization. What do you see as being the biggest challenges for those individuals? Kind of like anything when you're doing something academically or in a school environment and then going out into the real world, I think the real leap is sort of applying what you're learning into practice. So for instance, a big thing for me is when you're working out a piece of code for a real application and let's say it's a bug you need to fix, you need to not only weigh what the fix is, but what's the two-hour fix versus the two-week fix. 
Mm. And what's the quick thing we can do now to, to fix the, the, the leak? And what's the longer term fix? So you have to really be able to weigh those kind of quickly on the fly as, as you're you know, working on maintaining an application. Well, it's interesting you, you brought that up. I had never heard sort of that phrasing with it before. Is that something that you typically see and do, uh, having that quick short-term fix while on the back end looking for the full, uh, I guess, solution to what the problem is? Is that typically how things work when you're looking at the issues like that? Absolutely. In terms of you know doing bug fixes when a customer comes in and they have a problem with your piece of software, what I'll first try to do before anything is think about how I can fix the problem for that customer. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, the application you're having somebody pay for, they're really paying for the the customer experience. So you want to make sure you're providing good support, you're getting back to them quickly, and if there's a way to fix that issue uh, in just a few minutes, that then you can sort of give yourself more time to to make the longer-term fix, you would absolutely want to approach it that way. So would you be able to give us some real-life examples of how you at Dundun or how Dundun would help individuals who had certain questions or issues? I mean, what, what, is it, what is sort of the process like? What are they looking to get help from or help with when it comes to coding and programming and that sort of area? Yeah, so Dundun is a web-based issue tracker. So its main job is to become a central logging place for uh, issues that you might have with the software you're working on, whether it's with a team member, whether you're in an organization that has a project manager or mm-hmm. you're working for a client. So it's a central place for everybody to collect issues and to pro- provide feedback and get to resolution. In terms of real-life examples, so our prototype customer is typically um, either a small development shop, a web development shop, a boutique agency, and okay. we also have um, departments in larger uh, ad agencies and interactive firms that use use Dundun. So a lot of people that are trying to, to deploy web projects are using Dundun right now to solve issues. So do you see it then uh, demographically that it is small businesses who are really tight with their employees where they don't have a, a specialist in this area who, who can probably handle it on their own, that it maybe is somebody with without that experience that are, is looking for a little bit of guidance? Yeah, I, I think the key thing about Dundun is it really keeps the focus on the people. So one of the problems we noticed when we didn't have an issue tracker or using one that didn't work out so well is the software really didn't dictate what needed to happen next. So what's nice about Dundun is you put an issue into the issue tracker and basically the person that needs to work on it next is is the one that it will contact. Okay. So you get this sort of one-to-one flow um, as opposed to if you just sort of have five people yelling at each other across the fence, <laughs> you just end up having these issues that sort of sit in the middle and, and you lose track of them. Now, again, I don't know sure how much experience you have with uh, knowing who's really looking to reach out for help uh, with some of these issues, but people are always curious about the demographics when you're talking about coding and, and the industry uh, with programmers. Um, do you notice any trends from what you've seen, people you've talked with, of who's looking to get involved or who is interested in, in learning coding and, and becoming a part of that industry? Um, you know, for me, it, it seems to be all over the place. I know that for Dev Bootcamp, I, I saw a stat. I think the average person that's trying to apply to Dev Bootcamp is 27 years old. So they, oh, wow. they've gone through college. They've, they've even had their own career path for a few years and decided, hey, they wanted to try something new. So I think, you know, demographically, the, so the newer breed of programmer that uh, isn't going through the traditional kind of four-year college system is a little bit older. They've already kind of what one path that they didn't like. And for a lot of people, it's sort of a, a fresh start into, you know, not only 
learning a new tool set, but, you know, starting their own business. Sure. And to me, that also begs the question of uh, people wondering, do you see these individuals that go to those schools and maybe it is a career change of some sort or whatever the reasoning that they're looking for that shortcut, that instant gratification to moving on to that new career as opposed to taking, maybe it's a traditional path or maybe it's more labor intensive of going through your regular schooling and gaining that experience before really jumping into it. I mean, do you see that as being a shortcut or an issue at all within your industry? I think so. I I think, again, it depends on the, the person. I know that people that I've mentored or talked to at certain coding schools it, it depends. Some of them go in it really wanting to just learn and soak up and then go uh, work at a, a larger agency for a few years. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the absolute correct path. Um, there are other people that kind of, they've got a business idea in their mind and they really just want want to use programming as just a means to get to that quick business idea without really thinking about how that software might grow over time. So I think it really depends on, on kind of what your, your um, end goal is going into one of these schools. Well, and I, I was curious too with, uh, you know, with Dundun, obviously it's it's a business idea and, and people understand and appreciate that. But I wondered, is the world of, of programming and coding and, and sort of all of you that work in that that world, so to speak, are you traditionally social and willing to share and looking to help each other out as opposed to some industries that might be a little more sort of in it for themselves? I mean, do you gather more of a camaraderie and collaboration? I think so. I think uh, the technology space now is, is more social than it's ever been um, with things like open source. So, mm-hmm. you know, GitHub is an open source community where you can work on other people's projects. Um, I think even this, the whole concept of social networking uh, is something that uh, for a technologist, you know, we're in every day looking at Twitter or Facebook or making connections that way. So I think you know, despite the prototypical stereotypical thing you might think about with programmers being kind of introverted and quiet, <laughs> which is partially true. Um, I think when it comes to sharing and being open and, and receptive within the community, I think it's definitely there. On a side note with that, do you notice anyone, again, maybe the experienced ones in this this world, this industry, do you sense any animosity or maybe some looking down upon those that might be getting those quick fixes at the training schools? Um, that's a great question. I, I don't think offhand there is a big sort of feeling of animosity, but I do think there are people that want to differentiate what it means to program versus kind of just going through the motions. I, I wrote right. a post uh, a while back where, you know, pr- there's sort of the programming where you're actually painting and there's a programming where you're paint by numbering. Like we're just sort of like, <laughs> right. you have these tools and you learn these things really quick. And I think for people that have been in the industry for a while, we have, our job is to really steer people towards understanding that difference, that programming is something that even if you're 20 years in, you're still learning things every day. No, I love that. I love the idea of paint versus paint by number. I think that's a, a great way to put it. And hopefully our listeners can visualize that a little bit better. We are getting a little low on time. Uh, I do appreciate you coming on and talking about some of these topics that are involved with coding and, and programming. Before we wrap up, did you have any other uh, thoughts or suggestions when it comes to this topic? Anyone listening who's interested or really anywhere you want to go with it as a nice takeaway for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. I I definitely think what's nice about today versus even five or 10 years ago is if you really want to start something, you want to get into coding and it's an exciting field to be in, there are ways to do it now where it's not going to cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. It's sort of quick ways to get in. But I do think 
making sure you're going in it with the right mindset. You know, it's, it, there are places that are going to teach you quick and teach you a lot, but it's, it's a process that, that's going to evolve over many years, not just a few months. I think that's a great way to wrap things up here on this edition of Technically Speaking. Our expert guest once again has been Kawei Chung. He's a co-founder of Dun Dun and author of The Developer's Code, What Real Programmers Do. Kawei, thanks again for sharing your knowledge with us and your experience, of course, and uh, giving our listeners something to think about. Thanks a lot. And of course, for all of you listening out there, we want to hear from you as well. So just send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. If you have any comments or questions, or maybe you want us to cover a specific topic here on LJN Radio. Once again, I'm Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.